You're listening to Poolside Podcast. This is episode number 33, and I'm your host, Rachel Antony. I am so excited to share this episode with you guys. This one has probably been one of my favorite, mostly because it is a topic that I love to talk about, which is food, fitness, health, and wellness. And I haven't done a ton of this on the podcast, mostly because I focus on small businesses that have usually their product-based businesses. Um, And I had the chance to sit down with Amber Romniak, and she is the owner of Amber Approved, which if you live in Calgary, I'm sure you have heard of her. She puts on an amazing Amber Approved Stampede breakfast, which is a healthy version of the pancakes and sausage that we all love. And in this episode, which could have probably gone for five hours, but we cut it down to an hour just to brush the surface of everything that she is certified in and all of her knowledge. But we talk about emotional eating and what it is and what are the telltale signs of it, how it impacts your life, your relationships, and your self-esteem, and her advice for becoming aware of what you're doing and how to move out of the bad habit and really develop a self-confidence that can improve the rest of your life. She talks about how getting support from the people around you is really important as well as becoming aware of why you are emotionally eating and when you are doing it. For the most part, it helps if you just take the time to stop and ask how am I feeling and this is in regards to eating or drinking enough water or sleeping or just becoming emotionally drained from our do everything in a little as time mindset that we have in society now. Um, We talk about the difference between self-care and connected self-care and what her recommendations are and ideas that you can do for connected self-care, which is personal quiet time and self-care with your friends or your partner and how that can help with creating a healthier mindset and body overall. We talk about social media and how that is playing a part in the type of diets that people are trying, how unhealthy some of the trends can be, and how influencers are impacting what we think the perfect body is. She gives suggestions on how to move past comparing yourself, which includes unfollowing the people that don't make you feel good about yourself. She gives examples and specific foods that you can include in your diet to become overall just more healthy and she also shares her favorite books and podcasts with us which we can include in our self-care routines so with that let's get into it this is amber welcome back to the podcast i am interviewing amber today and i'm not even going to try to say your last name because (laughs) i can read it but i don't even know so how about i'll let you introduce yourself and share who you are and what you do Yeah, thank you again so much for having me on the podcast today. So yeah, my last name can be really fun, um, Rachel, to say it's it's Romaniak. So I've had all kinds of different pronunciations and I'm used to it by now. Um, I'm Ukrainian. So um, I am uh, an emotional eating, digestive and hormone expert. I own a company called Amber Approved and I coach women, um, professional women all over the world struggling with emotional eating food addiction, body image struggles, digestive hormone imbalances, and I really empower them to build body freedom and a healthy relationship with food. Um, And so through that and, you know, doing a lot of really great collaborations with um, different health-based companies that I swear by um, and creating my own recipes and having a podcast, it's just been a beautiful um, journey into business. And yeah, helping people um, make those changes is very fulfilling for me. That's amazing. And that gives us so many topics to cover today. Yes. Um, But let's start with what Amber Approved is. You kind of touched on it, but just go into that and where the business began. Yeah. So Amber Approved, like if you would have asked me 10 years ago that I'd be here talking to you and have what I did, I'd say no way because um, rewind 10 years ago, I was completely oblivious to health. 
I had a very emotional relationship with food and I didn't realize it. I was always hoping to be thinner and really obsessed about dieting and body image. And so essentially what ended up happening for me is I ended up um, going through a breakup and I was so heartbroken and I was so heartbroken I couldn't eat. And so I um, kind of used that as fuel and motivation to like get the perfect body. Um, and I started to exercise two hours a day and not eat enough. And I noticed I was losing weight really quickly. And I thought, oh, well, if I get the perfect body, everything will be perfect and I'll be happy. Um, and so I went through this kind of restriction um, and unhealthy relationship with exercise and food for a few months and lost weight really fast got my quote unquote, what I thought was the perfect body at the time and nothing um, turned out the way that I thought it would and I wasn't happy and it was overwhelming to try to maintain. And then it's like a switch flipped and I I went to a party and you know promised I wouldn't eat anything. And then here I am like knee deep in the ice cream cake and like hiding in the bathroom with like chocolate and just like, it was the first time that I had really been aware of like losing control with food and I was like oh my gosh what did I just do and essentially what happened was it's like this vicious cycle of binge eating just took over and I gained like 60 pounds in four months um in a five-year period when I was really struggling with my food addiction I gained and lost over a thousand pounds um and I probably spent about fifty thousand dollars on binge food so I'd go to the store buy whatever I was craving and just binge on it until I was so full and so sick that I couldn't eat anymore. Um, so that vicious cycle and the dieting cycle, I really struggled with for about a period of five years. Um, and then it was just like this turning point of, you know, binging, throwing the food away. And then, you know, literally an hour later being like, Oh, I want another cookie. And here I am digging through the garbage can to eat the food. And I just had a breakdown and I, knew that that was not meant to be my life. I was not meant to, you know, essentially slowly kill myself with food. And I wasn't meant to keep fighting with my body. So I just got extremely motivated to figure out why this was happening, why I didn't love myself, why I couldn't have any, you know, mindfulness or control with food. And I personally, um, on my own, kind of just blazed my own trail and learned a lot about food and how food impacts the body and digestion and and why I craved sugar so much and that it can be very addictive. Um, and as I learned, I took all of these things on and it helped me in my healing journey. Um, and so once I really understood that binge eating is not just about like having no willpower, it's that there's a lack of self-love, there's a void. I don't know how to love myself, so I'm trying to suppress all my emotions and fill the void with food. Once I started to really understand that, that's when I really started to explore how to love myself, which was being kinder to myself, stepping away from diet and weight focus, stepping away from numbers, um, more self-complimenting and building self-confidence. Um, and it was through going through all of that that other people started asking me questions and, you know, I'd start to share my story with somebody and then they'd open up and share theirs. And I thought, you know what, if I struggled with this as deeply as I did, how many other women, and I know there's men struggling as well, but how many women are struggling with, you know, their body image relationship with food, the diet up and down. It's like a roller coaster of emotions to deal with all that stuff. And then all the health um, imbalances that can come along with it. So the cravings and the hormone imbalances and the low energy and the bloating and digestive issues. It can be very frustrating when you're wanting to feel a certain way, but your body is, you know, kind of in the opposite place. So that really inspired me to um, niche in emotional eating and food addiction. And um, I also am a certified holistic nutritional consultant. So I went and got my school for that. And then I started my business and fast forward almost six years. Um, and here we are. And it's just been an amazing ride ever since. That's awesome. I think it's always good to when you I mean, it's not good you went through that, but it's helpful for your clients and to actually have a real relatable story. So people can be like, yeah. you went through it, you made it. Now I have more confidence in myself to be able to do it. A hundred percent. And you know what? At the time it was absolutely devastating. And I was like, why is this happening to me? But now when I look back on it, I don't regret a minute of it because even though there was a lot of suffering and for anyone who's on a journey and you're just feeling like, why is this happening to me? What's going on? you learn so much. There's so many breakthrough the breakthroughs that happen by, you know, just allowing the journey and, you know, working away at 
whatever it is that you're struggling with. So, um, you know, that's also why people find it, you know, easy to open up to me because sharing your story is invaluable and you never know who you're going to impact. And, um, that's why I so openly share because I want people to know you're not alone. Exactly. And since you've started the business over the last six years, I'm sure your health and everything has still evolved. What have you learned about yourself and your health journey since starting the business and being able to work with people? Oh my goodness. Work-life balance is so important because essentially when I started my business, I was recovered from my food addiction. So I wasn't binge eating anymore, but I was still working on balancing my hormones. My hormones were a nightmare um, just from all the stress of the binge eating and then the dieting and and really extreme exercise. So um, when you, I find most people that I work with as well, when you're in that mode of stress with your body, you end up with really high stress hormones and your thyroid goes wonky and your sex hormones can go wonky. Um, but essentially I was like, I have a goal to be at a certain place with my business in a certain period of time. So I need to just like push, 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 push to get there. Um, and while I reached the goal, um, it really did cost me my hormones, Um, and so one of the biggest things that I learned in starting my business is it's not going to work if you don't set boundaries. It's not going to work if you say yes to everything and you're going to throw your hormones out of whack way more quickly and you're going to be drained if you're working 16 hour days, seven days a week. Um, so that was one of my most powerful learnings because I'm trying to run my business. I'm trying to start helping people with their health and here I am, my hormones are getting worse and worse and worse and, um, probably what was one of the most ironic moments was in my first year of business because my hormones are going wonky. I'm not binge eating anymore, but all of a sudden I gain like 40 or 50 pounds in a short period of time. And I'm like, what is going on? It was at the time it felt a little bit, I felt like a little bit of a fraud because I'm like, I'm not binge eating, but I'm getting weight. Why? Um, and it was really through understanding that I need to have balance. Balance is such an important part of my business and my health and balancing my hormones. Um, so for me, that really, you know, seeing that and, and continuing to see my body decline because I wasn't paying attention to her really inspired and motivated to me to go, you know what, for a while, I've got to just quit the gym because it's hurting my hormones. I need to sleep. I need to just like do super gentle stuff like walking and stretching. And I need to really honor my body Um, and through doing that, it blew my mind because everything balanced so quickly and I, my energy came back so quickly and I had this newfound confidence to feel safe saying no, because there's this part of you when you start a business, you're like, I have to say yes to everything because I'm new and I need people to know who I am. And, oh my gosh, I need to be established so that I can start making business happen. Um, and it's exciting to like explore all these opportunities, but what it can cost a person is spreading themselves too thin And by all means, that's going to have an impact on your health. So one of the key things that's so important that I learned in starting my business was setting healthy boundaries with my schedule, with my clients, um, and, you know, what feels suitable as far as workload and then, you know, taking evenings and weekends off. And like, if I want to take Fridays, I'm going to take Fridays. And so Um, building my schedule to really support me and my health was one of the most empowering decisions I ever made because everything balanced so quickly. Um, And after my hormones balanced and like what I, my body had been hanging on to, which I refer to weight as protection because I really believe the body will hang on to protection when she doesn't feel safe. And I mean, if I'm, you know, ignoring my body because I need to get ahead in my business. Well, of course she's going to not feel safe and want to hang on to it. So once I created this safe zone where I was, you know, listening to my body, resting more and, and not pushing the limits, that's when like my, everything regulated my weight and my energy and my hormones. And it was just so empowering because it shifted a belief for me. Um, a lot of people have beliefs like, I need to work out X amount or I can only eat certain amount of calories in order to lose weight or maintain weight. And it blew my mind that I literally slept my way to shed that like excess protection that had come on. Um, And so when I started working with my clients on hormones and self-care and started to share with them, you don't have to go and like do extreme things to feel good in your body and to have that part happen. It's about learning how to listen to your body and creating this safe feeling with your body so that there's not all the stress going on. 
Um, so that was a huge learning for me in starting my business and boundaries. Boundaries are so important um, just because we can get so excited and then want to do everything, but then we're not getting the sleep and the nourishment and what we need for ourselves. I think everybody listening can probably relate to everything that you just said. Mm -hmm. I know that I can because I'm exactly the same where I do a thousand things and try to get out and to the community and meet people and go to like a hundred fitness classes. And so I'm Mm -hmm. just as bad with all of that um, as you're saying. And I also, I was just listening to a podcast actually driving home with Dave Asprey and he literally talked about that and he was like, if you're not getting enough sleep and you're not eating enough and you're just exercising and running, then your body literally thinks it's dying and it's in mm-hmm. danger, which mm-hmm. is not going to help you at all. Yeah. And you know what I found so profound? If, if you believe in like the law of attraction and manifestation and mindset, what I started to notice happen is when I would have those times where I would break my boundaries and I would say yes to more and I would overschedule myself and become overwhelmed, the level of um, like abundance I was pulling in in business and clients would drop. And then when I would get back into my good self-care routine and, and get back into the boundaries and have that balance with work and personal, it's like all of the inquiries and abundance and everything would go up. So I really believe that the way you take care of yourself is going to dictate the way your business takes care of you. Um, and how can you fully show up in your business properly if you're exhausted or you're always feeling bloated or you're, you know, you're struggling with this internal fight. So um, I find it very fascinating just to see what happens when you're really in alignment with your, like what you're meant to do. And then also again with your health and and what you can, you know, manifest. And it's very, very empowering. I totally agree with that. And I think more people just need to become aware of that. Yeah. Um, let us talk about emotional eating for a second. Cause I think some people probably have an idea of what it is, or maybe they're doing it and don't realize they're doing it, but do you want to explain what it is and what the signs of it are? Yeah. So to me, emotional eating is eating for any reason other than physical hunger. So whether you're bored, you're multitasking, you're angry, you're sad, you're happy, it's like you associate certain foods with different times of the year, um, you know, you're, you're wanting to numb yourself from your reality. These can all be different, you know, reasons why people emotionally eat. There's dozens of reasons. Um, but I find some of the the first signs of emotional eating are... You're not hungry, but you're snacking or you're not hungry um, or you've just eaten and something's just stressed you out and you're like, oh my gosh, I need ice cream or I'm, I need chips or you're noticing you're nibbling and then all of a sudden you eat the whole pint of ice cream or you eat the whole bag of chips and you totally were not aware that you were even going through that amount. Um, what I want to kind of uh, decipher the difference between is emotional eating and, and binge eating um, because for some people it's emotional eating where Maybe they get sad and then they eat a half a chocolate bar. And then um, binge eating is like, okay, I'm going to eat five chocolate bars. Like binge eating is really losing control to me with larger amounts of food, which is what I did. Hence why I really thought I had a food addiction because I didn't have control and I felt so addicted to food. Um, And then emotional eating can be different levels. So it can be a little bit where you're just snacking a little bit or it's again, you're having Um, it's like you're overeating or you're to the point where you're eating so much that it's literally making you feel sick. Um, but you, when you emotionally eat, you're seeking this high, you're seeking this short-term pleasure, um, that you experience when you take the first few bites of the chips or the ice cream or the cheese or whatever it is that is what you crave. And that's because your body produces feel good neurotransmitters and dopamine and serotonin, Um, just as someone, um, who's doing a drug would feel it's the same kind of experience when you eat those kind of comfort foods yourself. So, um, it can fuel a vicious cycle because there's this one voice that's going, no, you shouldn't do that because you're not going to feel good. And, you know, for people who are really obsessed with weight, you're going to gain weight or you're right. Like, I don't want you to gain weight. Um, and then there's the other part that goes, well, I don't care. I just want my fix. Um, and so there can be these different voices that are kind of going back and forth. Um, but normally I find people who are dealing with emotional eating, regardless of the spectrum, um, 
do tend to have body insecurities, low self-worth, they don't feel good enough. And this is a lot of the population. Like I believe the stat is about 90% of the female population struggles with body image, um, lack of feeling worthy, and um, just that weight and diet obsession. That's a huge amount of the North American population. Um, so it's no wonder with like pressures of society, um, and depending on how you grew up and, and the kind of household you were in, the relationship with food you've had, a lot of things, as you're hearing me say, um, really dictate your relationship with food. But I find those insecurities and not feeling good enough and really being obsessed with weight will fuel emotional eating because then you're wanting to diet to correct the emotional eating, but the diet doesn't work. And then you're back in the emotional eating because we actually need to deal with the emotional side of um, the journey to have you overcome the emotional eating. So that's my explanation on, you know, what I believe it is and some of the signs. Right. And what can people do, um, to curb the tendency to emotional eat? Obviously there's deeper work that has to be done, but how can people initially get started on stopping the emotional eating or become more aware of it? And then also, gain more self-confidence at yeah. the same time so I think the first step is to just recognize and or admit if you are there's no shame in it and I think one of the biggest things is to not be embarrassed um if you're aware and you know that you're doing it that's the first step and that's empowering um I think it's important to tell somebody whether it's a friend or your significant other a parent um or to to get support um, because often people share with me, even just getting it, you know, sharing it takes a huge weight off their shoulders. Um, I think another important part is to start be to become aware of why you're emotionally eating. So is it to cope with stress? Is it to comfort yourself? Is it because you have really debilitating cravings for things like chocolate and sugar and salt and you, you can't seem to gain control over them? Is it because you struggle with body image and weight? Is it because you're on too restrictive of a diet and it's just not realistic and you always feel deprived. Um, there are many reasons why people may emotionally eat, but again, it's to have you start to understand, you know, and ask yourself a very important question before you eat is, am I physically hungry? Do I actually need to physically nourish my body or is this emotional, which is everything else? And that's one of the most important things I think people can start to ask themselves first to build their own awareness. And then from there, depending on how long you've been struggling, like if it's been most of your life, if it's been quite a few years, um, I would highly encourage you to, you know, if you can write down your triggers and ask the physical, emotional hunger question more. Um, often I do encourage to seek um, people to seek help, regardless of if it's me or not, it doesn't matter. It's just that there are many layers here. And if someone has been going through this vicious cycle for multiple years, um, it's going to take time to change it. Uh, and building self-worth and building self-confidence is an important part of that. So it's actually to encourage people to step away from diets and extreme eating styles because those usually fuel emotional eating. So if you're like a diet bandwagoner or you're trying the next, always trying the next eating style, I'd actually encourage you to step away from those things and to explore nourishing your body regularly and start to just listen to your body. So when I eat these foods, how do I feel afterward? How does my digestion feel? Do I have more energy? Do I feel sluggish? Are you drinking enough water? Like even just starting with the basic necessities of care um, so that you can start to understand how to listen to your body. Um, that's the other important thing is to encourage people to learn how to listen to their bodies. Well, how do you do that? Well, number one, you have to be willing to take the time to stop and ask, how am I feeling? I think that's one of the biggest breakdowns with emotional eating and, and health struggles is that people are just go, go, going, and they're not stopping to see what their bodies need. So some people go a whole day without drinking water and surviving off of caffeine and not eating. Um, you know, they go weeks without checking in on stress levels and they're just feeling so overwhelmed and having breakdowns. Um, so one thing I also encourage people to do is actually schedule some self-care check-ins through your day to check in with yourself and see if you're hungry, if you need water, if you need a quick walk around the block, if you need to deep breathe, um, because it's so, it's kind of crazy how taking that check-in to stop and just check in with yourself can change so much as far as your awareness 
And as far as starting to curb emotional eating, um, this is something that I did and that I um, encourage my clients to do. And they notice a huge difference with their cravings and with their ability to, you know, improve the way they take care of themselves. And that is really inspiring um, because we want to make these changes foundational so that you get to, you know, really build this healthy relationship with yourself and you know what your body needs. And when you know what you need, you're not out there trying to research and read and go, is this for me? Is this for me? This doesn't seem like it is. It's so confusing. There's so much information on food, nutrition, diet, fitness, you know, what you should eat, what you shouldn't eat. And it's like, we got to just like kind of push all that to the side and be really willing to build this in tune relationship with ourselves, which everybody can do. It's not just certain people. When you carve out the time to build a relationship with yourself, you can be in tune with your body and that helps to prevent emotional eating. Right. And how does the self-care body image and the relationship with food impact business, career, relationships, and life? You've kind of talked about it, obviously, for how to work through those, but can you just elaborate on how it can impact the different aspects of life? For sure. So honestly, a lack of self-care, body image struggles, and emotional eating will definitely, in my opinion, impact every area of your life, probably in a negative way. Um, You know, I often find people will be projecting and, you know, really be, you know, essentially snapping on spouses, coworkers, being very hard on themselves, and that can impact your confidence. So if you're a business owner, and you feel insecure with your body, um, and, you know, you're getting up to speak in front of people or present something, and you don't feel good about it, um, well, you never know how that's going to impact the success or growth of your business or the lack thereof. Um, if you're emotionally eating and you don't feel well, how could you possibly ha- want to show up and be able to show up properly for your clients or at events? Um, again, or speaking engagements. Um, a lot of people, I find, want to hide. Um, and when we're hiding, obviously that's going to have an impact on you know, your friendships, your relationship, and or if you're looking for a relationship, but you're going, no, I can't date until I lose a certain amount of weight, you're hiding, you're isolating, you're denying yourself from living your life to the fullest. Um, So I find that it impacts every area, it can impact your success, it can impact your money and your growth. Um, Because let's face it, I really, again, believe what we're thinking and the way that we're feeling and treating our body is going to go out into the world and we're going to attract back scenarios that are really similar to our thoughts and what we're feeling. So it's like if you find maybe you're doing good for a little while with self-care and eating, but then something triggers you and then you're emotionally eating and bam, you get a parking ticket, you're in a fender bender. Um, you know, all these little things happen then you're like, why is this all happening to me? And again, I really believe in that law of attraction um, and that's why I think it's so important to, you know, make yourself a priority and and have balance and strong boundaries between your work and your business and your personal life so that you are clear on what those line, lines are so they don't get blurred. And therefore, you're carving out the personal time to work on your emotions, to deal with your stuff, to take responsibility, because I think it's just so easy to blame other people in other scenarios. Um, and it's super empowering for people to go, you know what? Um, instead of burying myself deeper into my work and exhausting myself more and, and feeling my health decline, I'm, I want to make myself a priority. So whatever emotional stuff you need to work through to help you make yourself a priority is so empowering. Um, what I see with people is normally they have themselves last. They have their friends, their family, their business, everything else is first. Um, and often part of that comes from a... Um, perfectionist mindset, a people-pleasing, overachieving kinds of mindsets. Um, And so when you're in that space, you want to make sure everyone else is happy, but it's at the cost of your own health and well-being. Um, So again, that's why it's so important to carve out the time for self-care so you can build the confidence and the self-love and also have time to cope with your stressors and deal with your stressors in healthy ways the more calm and grounded you are, the less likely you're going to be to want to go to food because you're learning new ways to cope with stressors that don't include food. That's going to help you build confidence. That's going to help you physically feel better as well. Um, And that's going to improve your relationships because you're going to be happier. You're going to feel more free. You're going to feel more at peace. 
And people are going to notice that. Um, often I my client that I'm working with, their spouse or a friend or someone will say, wow, you just seem happier. You seem like you're in a lighter mood. What's like, what are you doing? I'm so curious. Um, and that's amazing feedback to get to, to hear that people are noticing quite quickly um, the shifts that are happening when this person decides to honor themselves and make themselves the priority. I believe you can have it all. I believe you can have your health and you can have your business and your success and a wonderful personal life. Um, so part of it is about worthiness and believing I can have it all. You don't have to choose one over the other. Um, but it is really about feeling worthy that you can have both sides. And I think it also, like you said, the people around you are affected. And I feel mm-hmm. like we're so caught up in, in how we feel and the struggles that we're going through and dealing with all, all, all our issues that we don't see how it impacts people. So they're like, oh, you seem so happier and like your relationships are better, but you probably didn't even think that other people noticed, Yeah, which can be, like you said, detrimental to everything around you. Oh, a hundred percent. And I mean, you know, when you are, say you have no idea, but you're always being negative and you're always complaining about things and you're almost like in a victim mode with other people and it's not on purpose usually, but it can turn people off. Like people may not want to hang out with you anymore. People may not want to do business with you. People, people may not want to, you know, um, collaborate or whatever that looks like. Um, because let's face it, when you're with someone who's always complaining and being negative, it can be draining. Um, so I think it's important for people to, you know, maybe nudge their friend or family member if they feel it's reasonable to say, you know, I'm noticing, like, it seems like you're kind of upset, you know, do you want to talk about it? At the same token, um, it's important for that person, um, when it's meant to be for them to build an awareness of how they're showing up in the world. Um, No one can um, make us understand that but ourselves, but, you know, by getting support or listening to podcasts or watching, you know, videos on YouTube and reading different books of all these wonderful people who promote, you know, mind-body connection and and um, manifestation and positive thinking and self-love, I think there's so much that we can learn to help us shift the relationship we have with ourselves, which, as we've been talking about, will completely change the relationships you have with others. And the last part of relationship that I see is um, sometimes when people start this journey to overcome emotional eating and um, make this healthy relationship with themselves, they notice the relationships change, but for the better, because what they notice is maybe some of the relationships they were in were actually very unhealthy and they were actually encouraging self-sabotaging behavior, negative thinking, et cetera. So often a lot of my clients will end up with a new circle of friends and or attract like more aligned um, business opportunities or attract a more loving aligned relationship um, because they're setting healthy boundaries and they're essentially like clearing the negativity out of their life. And that definitely happened for me. I know pretty much like most people I was friends with through my food addiction, I'm not really friends with anymore just because we're in a completely different space and completely different mindsets and and beliefs and um, fully respect those people. But it's so important to ensure that you surround yourself with people that are supportive and like-minded, not only for it to be healthy for you, but again, it's it's very empowering to be around others who are, you know, doing their own work and positive and encouraging. Um, so I think that's really important. I agree. And it's just it makes it a lot easier. And there's no reason that you need to make everything harder on yourself. So you might as well surround yourself with people to make this whole process easier. Yes. Um, can you give examples of what maybe you do for self-care or what other people can do. I feel like, especially with social media, we hear so much about self-care and all the hashtags and everything, but what really are examples of what we can do for self-care besides like take a bath? Because I feel like that's everybody says. (laughs) Yeah. So I want to actually first decipher what I feel like are the difference between self-care and connected self-care, because I think um, there's self-care that you're kind of doing maybe with like your friends or your significant other or wh- whoever. And sometimes you may be doing it on your own, but connected self-care I'll go through first. So connected self-care is actually all about you and yourself. So connected self-care is more quiet. And this is where you're able to do kinds of self-care that are going to help you to connect with yourself, see how you're feeling emotionally, 
and you're gonna be able to give to yourself and that's gonna help you to work through stressors that's gonna help you to build self-worth confidence self-love and that I find is the kind of self-care that really does help people overcome things like emotional eating and, and negative self-talk so with connected self-care personally um which is what I do a lot of I I love meditation, whether it's guided or I'm just like literally laying on my yoga mat listening to chill music. Um, I love to journal. I love to breathe. I love to get out to the mountains, um, whether it's skiing or just like being in the midst of the mountains. Just it's so refreshing and it's so energizing. Um, I love to do the bath sometimes with the Epsom salts. And sometimes it's literally just making a cup of tea, sitting on the couch and just like letting my thoughts flow because I feel like you know, a lot of people go, you got to shut your brain off. You got to shut your brain off. And then we're sitting there trying to do self-care going, okay, I got to shut my brain off. And then you're so stressed out because you can't shut your brain off. And that's because a lot of times you're still going to have thoughts going on. So I think it's about, um, there's no right or wrong way to do self-care. I think that make it your own, especially when it comes to connecting with yourself. You don't have to, you know, meditate a certain way or, um, do yoga a certain way. It's about doing it in a way that makes you feel good and makes you feel safe and comfortable. Um, and then to me, more connected self-care is like, okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to have lunch with my friends or um, my boyfriend and I are going to go skiing um, or I'm going to go to like that, that workout class that I love so much because it makes me feel good. Again, the focus is on feeling good, not weight loss or needing to look a certain way. Um, so to me, self-care is all about feel good grounding makes me happy joyful relaxed um makes me feel good in my body um to me no means of self-care is i need to burn a certain amount of calories i need to um sweat a certain amount i need to do this to look a certain way and to weigh a certain amount that is not part of self-care um and so everyone has different preferences of what that is so part of it is again learning to understand what you love and what makes you feel good physically mentally and emotionally and bringing more of those activities into your self-care routine. Some people may say that like, you know, getting in the kitchen and like prepping all their food for the week is self-care. I'm not going to be opposed to that because if, if you love being in the kitchen and like cooking and, and you know, the bonuses you get to nourish your body, that can be what I wouldn't necessarily consider self-care is like laundry or cleaning or <laughs> brushing your teeth. Like, you know, those are things that are part of like, okay, yeah, it's good to have good hygiene and it's good to be organized. Um, maybe some people organize to make them feel better, like decluttering, but um, I would say those are more kind of tasks. So that's to me how I like to kind of dissect connected self-care, self-care, and then what are more like to-do items. By all means, though, it's really whatever makes you feel good um, and helps you to build body awareness and whatever helps you to release your stressors and work through your stressors that is what I encourage people to do whatever that is um a couple things I love to do in Calgary I love to go floating the float tanks are so zen and you're so relaxed after it really helps to calm your nervous system down and there's a salt cave in Calgary as well and so again it's great for your lungs it's great for your skin it's very relaxing it's very grounding so um, you know, I think there's some really, really unique and great things available for people to do that are very chill, um, that I always encourage my clients to do as well. So I hope that helps answer your question. Yeah, definitely. It's so interesting that you said, uh, floating because when you're going through all the things that like don't relax you, that's the only thing that came to my head was being in a float tank. I did it like three times and it gave me so much anxiety laying in there <laughs> that, I just, I couldn't get into it and I know how good it is for you, but I just could not get my brain around it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's where, again, different things for different people. And, um, you know, for anyone who else who can relate to what you've just said about, I've tried it and I can't, you know, I've had a lot of anxiety, then it's about, okay, well, you know, would a regular practice of slowing down and just spending five minutes being still and like building that into your routine help you to relax right because I find sometimes people just have this busy go 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 mentality and everyone has a different personality everyone has a different mindset um so there's times where that can be really great but say for someone who's struggling with um adrenal fatigue or hormone imbalances um go go going all the time is only going to stress all that out more so that's where you know 
having that balance of being able to slow down um, and learn how to be still takes time to build, right? So often people who try it and it doesn't work the first time or the fourth time, it's just the repetition of building those habits. Um, and if you're still finding that you're struggling with it, then I always encourage people again to to explore getting help, investigate your hormones, investigate the anxiety, like why are those things happening for you? Um, because ideally we want you to be able to do any kind of self-care, whether it's like more um, physical movement or very relaxing and not feel any sense of anxiety or, you know, um, discomfort from doing it. Right. And not feeling like you have to do it because somebody had suggested or you've seen it on like social media. Oh yeah. That's the other huge thing is like, take the pressure off, do what feels good for you. I don't care if like some celebrity or some, you know, big influencer with like 20 million followers is saying like, you need to do this. Um, check in with yourself and see if it feels good for you. I mean, it's great to experiment and try different things, but at the end of the day, You've got to do what feels good for you and really honor that. And that's you being in your power and that's you really owning, um, you know, and honoring yourself. So, yes, um, don't believe everything you read on social media um, or here on TV. Experiment, try different things and ask yourself, how does this feel for me? Do I like this? Because if you're hating it and you're dreading even the thought of going to do it is just making you stress, I'd encourage you to stop. Because that's not fun, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, let's talk about social media. Actually, it was a great segue into that um, because obviously it's everywhere now. And I just want to know your opinion. Obviously, there's an impact on our self-worth and body image and self-esteem. And I just want you to go into what your opinion is on it, how it's impacting our society and what you've seen with your clients in terms of social media. Yeah, so I think social media has a huge impact. And I think there's a lot of um, positive empowering things that I see and a lot of negative things. So I think on the positive empowering and we're seeing more people be vulnerable, sharing their stories, just being themselves. Um, I think it's just so great to be able to authentically share a story and have someone else be able to read it and if they relate and it inspires them to know they're not alone and that they can change it. That is the power of social media and that's what I love so much about it. You can share your message and anyone anywhere in the world can see it. Um, and I think it's so great for, you know, educating people and sharing tips and, and you know, um, providing information. But I think then where the breakdown is, is everyone's sharing information. Um, everyone is, you know, trying to build a following and be an in influencer or an expert in health or whatever. Um, and then we're seeing a lot of, um, I think, what is people not being authentic in the sense of, you know, this is the big diet trend this year. So, oh my gosh, I'm going to like do this and talk all about it and praise it because I want to be popular and be seen. Um, but then unfortunately what's happening is because this person doesn't know what they're doing, um, all of these people who are following them are trusting that person, but then they're getting sick or developing eating disorders or um, whatever that diet is that this person is preaching is not going well for the people following that person, which I think is really scary and is a bit of an epidemic. And I've really seen this specifically with keto eating um, because I've had a lot of people come to me who have read books or seen influencers or celebrities doing it and then think, oh man, I should do this. And then unfortunately it's creating food fears and um, binge eating and people are now afraid to eat carrots and apples and bell peppers. And that's like a serious, um, you know, unhealthy relationship with food that now we have to work on undoing. So I think don't believe everything you read on social media, just like with the self-care, I think it's important to connect and follow only people on social media that you resonate with that you have the same beliefs, that, that when you read their posts or see the photo, it makes you feel good, it makes you laugh, it moves you, it inspires you. Um, and if you're finding you're following people and you're reading the post and it's depressing you, you're comparing your body to theirs and it's making you feel like crap, um, those, you know, the self-worth, you're questioning your self-worth, um, you know, while you're working on, you know, building your confidence in your self-worth, unfollow those other people because it will help you to only see positive inspirational content. I always encourage my clients, you know, if it's diet um, people or 
you know, fitness people, whoever is just making you feel crappy, like while you're building your self-worth, you know, get rid of all that, detox it all. Um, because what happens is when you have full self-worth, you could look at anybody's Instagram, no matter what they look like, no matter whatever their shape is, their size, how beautiful or whatever it is. And you can actually just look at them and go, good for you and good for myself because I love myself and there's no oh my gosh, I need to get to the gym and I, and, or I need to go on a diet now because look at that person and look at me, that all stops. Um, and I think where the negative really comes in is that there's a lot of shaming going on on social media. So it's like, shame on you for not wearing makeup, shame on you for wearing too much makeup, shame on you because you're not vegan, shame on you because you eat meat, shame, 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 shame. And this is where I think social media um could really I think there's a a huge opportunity for improvement in ending all shaming like let people be who they are if you truly to me like if you don't have anything nice to say like keep it to yourself because if you were standing in front of that person would you say those things to them I think that's one of the um things about hiding behind a screen is people get bold Um, but there, I think there needs to be a level of respect on social media and embracing people for who they are and what they look like and, um, not shaming people if they're not following a certain, um, diet or, you know, they decide they want to have a certain way. Um, I think the beauty of social media is people can share their gifts and, you know, create businesses and success and reach all sorts of people. And I think that's what it should be used for is inspiration and uplifting and empowerment. Um, and not to put people down, not to drag people down and not to make people feel bad about themselves. I agree. And like you said, there's so many accounts that are fitness related and wellness related, and they all seem to have a similar look to it, which Obviously, we've come hopefully a long ways in knowing that not everyone looks the same, but there is an oversaturation of what the perfect body looks like. Yeah. So what should people be eating just to be healthy? Yeah. Um, And not obviously not some people don't have the metabolism or they're not just born skinny or all of this. But what's like some guidelines to just be healthy in general? Yeah. So I think the first thing is, as you've just said, like everyone has a different body type. Um, recognize a lot of the accounts you probably see on social media. You never know if there's Photoshopping and like adjustments made to those photos. So it's to stop the comparison and learn how to listen to your body. If you're dealing with emotional eating or some form of unhealthy relationship with food, I really encourage you to get support to overcome that because overcoming that is going to really allow you to have a more healthy relationship with food, which means no restriction. So to me, health and my guidelines are nourishing my body with wonderful foods most of the time so this is like I eat protein I eat meat I eat eggs I eat lots of fruits and veggies nuts and seeds I eat some gluten-free whole grains I really um, limit my weed and dairy intake Um, I used to be very sensitive to them so it's more like special occasions but everyone's different so if you um, find you eat certain foods and they don't make you feel well then maybe there's an opportunity to um, you know take a break from them for a while and find alternatives Um, The key, though, is to always find alternatives, because if you cut all these things out and then you feel restricted, um, you're probably going to rebel and go and eat all those things and not feel well. So eat as close to nature as possible um, for what makes you feel good. So if you find more animal protein makes you feel good, great. If you find more plant protein makes you feel good, great. It's really gauging what feels good for you. And to me, the balance is all about having that wonderful nourishment and also leaving room for indulgence because you're human. It's there. I really believe part of life is about having the balance with food. Um, because that to me is a sign that there's a wonderful respect for your body and a healthy relationship with food. So, um, my kind of like 80, 20 is 80% of the week, really beautiful, nourishing food. Um, and then if there's those two or three meals or snacks, that you're like, it's the weekend, or you're going out for dinner, or you have an event to attend, and you want to try whatever it is, unless you find that makes you feel really poorly, um, give yourself permission to enjoy, you know, those indulgence. This is not about 100% perfectionist eating. Um, Perfectionism does not exist. And it it really does um, kind of throw a wrench into a healthy relationship with food. 
um, experiment, try different recipes, um, you know, be prepared with healthy food. Food prep, I think, is an important part of setting yourself up for success through your week. Um, eating enough protein and fat is so important. A lot of people don't eat enough and then they're hungry. Um, so to me, learning how to listen to your body, experimenting with some different foods, really tuning in, you know, as you're eating your lunch or your dinner, like, how am I feeling? Does this feel good for me? Or am I getting bloated? Am I getting pain? Am I getting a headache? Do I all of a sudden not feel well? Just starting to ask yourself a few questions is going to help you really learn how to listen to your body. Um, and that's also going to help you to know, okay, maybe these are things that I have less of and these are what I have more of because it makes me feel good. Um, and that's why I don't think diets work because our bodies are always changing, your hormones, your digestion, your you know workload, your, your movement, all of these things are always changing. So while I think there's this good sound foundation we can set of you know nourishment and um, healthy balance with indulgence, um, there may be times where you need a lot more fruits or vegetables or fats or proteins. So learning how to listen allows you to be flexible and change um, kind of your eating habits as your body requires you to. And is there anything, I know you just said that it's all based on the person and what they're going through and everything, but is there something that people can do to make a change in their diet right now to improve their overall health? If there's specific foods that you really suggest or brands? Yeah. So I think this is really specific to the person, but from my experience and the kind of clients that I work with, um, making sure that you are eating regularly through the day is one of the most important things. I often find people are um, taking too long of breaks between their meals and then their blood sugar is dropping. That's when the cravings come in. They're more likely to overeat or make poor food choices. So that's kind of the foundational behavior with the food. Um, enough protein and fat is important. So I always encourage people to make sure you're getting lots of like avocados, raw nuts and seeds, coconut oil, fatty fish, your egg yolks. Um, some people are big like butter lovers. So like making sure that you're getting your healthy fats is very important. And I do encourage um, like for women, roughly like 50 grams a day, give or take, like that's a ballpark. Um, and for men, probably about 60 or 70. And then with protein, got to make sure we're getting enough protein. So your, your meats, your fish, your eggs. Um, I know some people who are plant-based are doing lots of quinoas and beans and lentils and things like that. Um, so ensuring again, that you are getting enough for, uh, again, and like kind of a ballpark is about 75 to 80 grams for women. And definitely like 110, maybe to 130 for men. And that really is ballpark because depending on your workouts and, you know, what you're doing, like that can really dictate a lot. Um, I think one of the biggest things is to be aware of how your food makes you feel. So if you are noticing you're bloated all the time, I would encourage you to start to just pay attention to what you're eating through the day and when the symptoms start. Um, again, that's about awareness because you can't, you don't really know what to change with eating until you learn how to listen to your body and how certain foods make you feel. Um, another one is cravings. So say you're always craving sugar. Um, so if you're finding you're always craving sugar and you eat a lot of sugar, perhaps you want to start to wean off of more refined sugars and try more natural sweeteners. So that's where things like pure maple syrup and coconut sugar and stevia and erythritol, there's so many um, other things you can try. And I often find when people um, increase protein and fat and they, um, add in more natural sweeteners, they start to notice the sugar cravings really go down, right? So our body can tell us a lot. Our cravings can tell us a lot. Our digestion can tell us a lot, but making sure that you're eating enough and that you're eating regularly through the day, um, is one of the most important things and making sure that you are again, eating as close to nature as possible, um, to me is key. So ensure you're getting enough fat, fat and protein and, um, you know, Start to read labels, look at food. If there's ingredients in your food that you can't pronounce, leave it on the shelf. If it has a longer expiration date, you know, than a couple of months, probably want to leave it on the shelf. So those are some things to start looking at when you're looking at, you know, packages and things. And then as far as, um, you know, some brands that I really love, well, if we're, you know, talking about, say, like a protein um, for, say, post-workout or 
Um, you know, just you want to add more protein to your day. One of my favorite things is collagen. I love collagen because it helps to strengthen your gut and helps with your gut health, your skin, hair, and nails. And um, two scoops usually has 20 grams of protein. It's easy to mix into a smoothie. It's easy to add into a drink. So I love collagen, um, deep marine collagen and organica collagen are two of my favorites. Um, and just the health benefits are so amazing. I noticed a huge difference in my gut health once I started using collagen. Um, I also love, there's one of my favorites. It's by Botanica Health and they have a chocolate greens powder. It literally just tastes like hot chocolate. I mean, I love mixing that into my smoothies, my parfaits, um, making popsicles in the summer, uh, overnight oats, drinking it like a chocolate milk. To me, again, it's about having these wonderful things available to you that are so full of nutrients it's you know because there's all the greens it's detoxing the liver and it's providing you energy and it's alkalizing the body um so it's having kind of like some of these key items at home if if this resonates for you so that you can infuse your food with the flavors and the nutrients that you love and you can gain the benefits from them and then you're not going to feel deprived because you feel good and you're satisfied so for me, those are two things that I always have and that I'm, you know, frequently adding into my recipes. Um, and then like, you know, one thing people always talk about is time. I don't have enough time. Well, I highly encourage you if you feel like it's a lot of time to go to the grocery stores and to do all the running around, get Spud or get some grocery delivery service. You save so much time. You can go online, you can order everything. It will get dropped off to you um, and or make getting your food like a self-care date and go to the local farmer's market, support the local farmers and the local businesses because it's just so important. They're producing beautiful food and drink for us. And I think that that's another thing that we can do to support our bodies. I love that. And I love your specific suggestions, which I'm actually going to go on Amazon and probably order them because I've been looking for a collagen supplement. So that's amazing. You'll love it. Um, and for people that listen to all of this and were kind of overwhelmed because like you said, like time, or they just like, don't have enough education, what kind of services do you offer for people who want to get their health and eating habits in check? Yeah. Little so for, for starters, um, you know, I, I work privately with, um, clients one-on-one. So I offer a 30 minute body freedom complimentary call. So if you are struggling with things that I've been talking about, if you can relate, um, you can um, go to my website and book uh, an appointment or you can email me at info.amberproof.ca and we can talk through your struggles, you know, what's not working for you, what are your goals. Um, I also have group co- um, group programs rather where um, we come online and we explore different topics. So for some people, they like the group setting. They like that kind of supporting community. Um, and then I have resources available like my podcast, the No Sugar Coding podcast, which I talk a lot in depth about relationship with body, food, mind, all this stuff. Um, and I have some really great resources on my website. So I have an emotional eating quiz and some emotional eating um, videos um, and just different blogs and things that I'm always sharing. So um, if you're really wanting to learn more about those things, you can, um, you know, really go to my website and, and check out those options. Um, and then, yeah, if you're wanting to talk more, uh, that is what I offer um, for people to reach out and to see if, if it's a good fit for both of us to potentially look at, you know, working together. Awesome. And where can people connect with you and find you to get in touch? Yeah. So um, you can visit my website at amberproof.ca. And again, this is where you can read more about um, what I offer and my story and access everything from recipes to my podcast to blogs. Um, As well, uh, you can find me on Instagram, which is my name at Amber Romaniuk, which is R-O-M-A-N-I-U-K. Um, I share a lot of tips and inspiration and recipes and really great things there as well. Um, and if you are wanting to check out the podcast again, it's the No Sugar Coding podcast, which you can find on all podcast apps and on my website as well. And last question, what is a book or podcast that you would recommend to listeners? That is a amazing question. Oh, my goodness. I don't know if I can just give one answer. Um, okay, you don't have to pick one. What's your like top five (laughs) okay so book um books I 
You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Elahay is an amazing book. It really helps you to learn how to listen to your body. Um, I absolutely love Bob Proctor. He is like the king of mindset and manifestation. Um, so you can, he has all sorts of different books and you go on YouTube and search Bob Proctor, you'll find all sorts of great videos. Um, I really, really love Wayne Dyer. He talks a lot about self-love and so he's got different books. And again, you can go on, um, YouTube and, and see a lot there about him. Brene Brown, her new book, Dare to Lead or Born to Lead, I can't remember, but it's absolutely wonderful. Um, and then podcast, I really love, um, Super Soul Sessions, Oprah's podcast, and all the wonderful thought leaders she has sharing all these experiences of, you know, um, overcoming your biggest struggles and um, building this empowering relationship with yourself. So those are some of the things that um, I've immersed myself with weekly. And that Louise L. Hay book, You Can Heal Your Life, that's the first book I read on self-love. And it really, really taught me a lot um, so hopefully some of those resources will be useful um, if people are looking to, you know, uh, listen or read something furtherly um, as part of their new self-care routine. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing all that um, and giving such good advice to everybody. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me today. Again, it's been so great to share. 